Hey everyone and welcome to uh, another edition of the Jim the King NFL podcast. I'm Jim, sitting on the other screen is Denver Dave and we're here to talk about the NFL. How are you going Dave? I'm good, isolation edition version 2. I know, this is weird. Um, no video today. The idea of today's uh, pod is just to talk about the rookie quarterbacks that are coming into the league uh, at the end of next month. Um, giving our opinion and analysis on uh, the, the top names. Seeing if we agree with all the mock drafts that are coming out. I don't know. Um, I guess, Dave, we'll start with the consensus number one overall pick, which is Joe Burrow, coming out of Ohio State and LSU. What are your initial thoughts on the guy? Well, I mean, when you look at Joe Burrow, you can, you can fully understand why he's the overall number one pick. I mean, had a faultless season, really. Didn't lose a game. Um, had class-wide receivers at LSU, controls the pocket really well. Um, high PFF rate in uh, lots of experience in college. Yeah, I mean, you, it, there's nothing you can say about him that hasn't already been said. And I think for us to sit here and go into huge try. amounts of detail, we, we can, but <laughs> at the same time, everyone's waxing so lyrical about him. The problem with him is, is coming into it. If I was him, I'd try and hang on for another year. I think he's probably been in for his four or five years already, so I'm not sure he can. This is not the season you want to be... Yeah, this is not the season. I'd take a gap year because this is not the season you want to be coming out and being the first overall pick. It means you're going to the Bengals <laughs> and it means you're going to get absolutely <laughs> wasted. Um, the offensive line is not good. And combine that with the fact that historically, uh, if you're a quarterback, you haven't fared all that well in, uh, in Ohio. So, um, unfortunately... I don't think it's too great news for him, the fact he's going to the Bengals. I mean, the, the one thing we can say is ceiling is so high. He's come out with what is almost a perfect season. Um, and a few months ago, I don't think many of us would have thought that anyone other than two is going first overall. But combining his injury with the close of the season that um, Burroughs had, it's fully understandable why he's the consensus number one overall pick. Yeah, he certainly smashed everything that last season. If we just go back for those that don't know, um, Joe Burrow was redshirted at Ohio State in 2015. 2016, he only plays six games. He comes in as a, a, as a relief pitcher, basically, in blowout games just to close them out. 2017 is the same situation. He's backing up JT Barrett in Ohio State. At the end of the season, I think he was third, second or third on the depth chart. And then Dwayne Haskins rocks up and seems to become the starter for 2018. And so just a week before the 2018 season, Burrow transfers to LSU rather than sticking it out and, and fighting for the place at Ohio State. He then goes to LSU. 2018, he goes 10-3, and three, wins the Fiesta Bowl. He beats Central Florida 40-32. to 32. Burrow scores four touchdowns in that game to make his season total just 16. So he had a great Fiesta Bowl, but in the regular season, he scored 12 touchdowns in 12 games. But in um, that, five in that season... LSU were very much a running team. Uh, yeah. it's, only, it's only really in the last year or so they've become um, an air attack, air attack offense first. Um, not that I want to make too many excuses for them. There's nothing wrong with being that, that guy who's had that one season that's broken out. Um, it's the hmm. fact that now he's won the Heisman Trophy. He's going to have to enter the NFL with only that limited record. But, I mean, what a record. 202 yeah. rating is almost perfect. It's insane. Yeah, but he did jump. I mean, that first season, 
Um, he scored seven rushing touchdowns to add to the 16 passing overall. Uh, had a rating of 133.2. Obviously, the first two years at Ohio State, we have to just give us a wash, I guess, because he didn't well, start any the of those year, games. The first year at LSU, you kind of did, because he didn't really start. He didn't have much of experience at college game. Um, well, no. As you mentioned, he, he joined LSU very much at the, just before the beginning of the season. So he wouldn't have had a huge amount of time to get used to that offense as well. And it's not like a professional no, where you can spend all day, every day doing nothing but study and take. You've still got to go and try and get a qualification as well. So there's still an element of how much of the time you spend dedicated to that qualification is a different matter. And we've all been to college. You spend a lot of time drinking and chasing skirt as well. So, you know, there's, there's other <laughs> curricular activities that, he, that he's going to be doing. Um, so we've got, it is a setback, the fact he hasn't got huge amounts of experience. But I mean, he's not Mitch Trubisky. He's got some experience in there. And it, it, it's been paid by the way he's had an amazing season. Mm. I mean, LSU isn't a, um, a program known for producing quarterbacks. They're producing wide receivers and uh, and defensive ends, so yeah. It it when he went there, he he was kind of told that you know this isn't a place you go to show off yourself as a as a quarterback. But first season, I think he did obviously really well to get a ten and three record of coming in like was a week before the season starts basically, um, yeah. and still you know gets that record, beats you know wins the Fiesta Bowl, beats Central Florida. Twenty nineteen, he goes nuts. Regular season, he was 13 and though he scored 48 touchdowns to just six interceptions. He's averaging over three touchdowns a game. Um, another highlight of his spike in performance, Dave, is in 2018, he had two games with a QB over 90. In 2019, he had three games under a 90 QBR. So, <laughs> and the rest of them were all over. Well, it's, yeah. it's the combination yeah, it's between crazy. him and Justin Jefferson. Um, and you know, if I'm Jefferson all the way all the way through the season, I'm buying him everything I can. You know, keep throwing me the ball, keep making <laughs> me look great. Because I'm I'm a bit wary about Jefferson because some of his catches, I mean, it was easier to catch it than it was to drop it. So a lot of people are saying Jefferson's got really good hands. I'm, uh, it, it's more of a testament to how good Burrow's been in the fact that we're all so so set against how good is Jefferson really. So. It's that combination. I mean, it, there didn't wasn't a huge ground game going on as well, but just dominated games. It just won games on his own, and that's one that's one of the big things you want from a college quarterback. How many times can you personally take the game away from the opposition? And that's one thing other quarterbacks will mention soon. There's, that's one of the slants on them, and the fact that yes, they've won games, but they haven't done it on their own. They haven't gone in and been that MVP. Yeah, I mean, when you're averaging just under four touchdowns a game, you you are always putting pressure on the other team that they have to go out and score yeah. score points. I mean, yeah. if we look at the positives then for Joe Burrow, I mean, there are a lot. First of all, everything he did last year turned to gold. Like, almost every play, he managed to get out of it and he managed to complete. And that then speaks to the touch that he's got. So he's not just launching the ball down the field. He's, you know, he's got, he's able to, you know, soft pass some of these balls to tight ends like uh, Thaddeus Moss and to Jefferson. He's got the accuracy that you want. He doesn't. He can be throwing the ball off his platform, so he can be running and still getting the ball off properly. Um, his decision-making, you know, whether to throw the ball away or whether you know, to, to move around, the pocket awareness is there as well. So, you know, even if you haven't got the best offensive line in front of you, 
and LSU's offensive line was okay. You know, Cushenberry's very good as a centre. You know, there's some other good players on that on that line. It's not the best. No. Uh, he was still able to move around and get the ball off. You know, he, he doesn't mess about with the ball. He's just complete. He looks very complete, running around, eyes downfield, going through his progressions. It, it's difficult it to, I mean, to the, poke a hole in that game. There, there are a couple of things that. Um, do stand out. I mean, firstly, he hasn't had to throw into too many tight windows. Uh, when he has, he, it's come off. But it's almost like there's that avoidance of going for a risky throw, which you do see at college games, you know, because the, the field's so wide open and each team, you know, each player only has, to, you don't have to get two feet inbounds as a wide receiver, so you can create separation by having that. It almost makes the field that little bit wider. Um, and the end zones are a lot bigger as well. The other thing is he doesn't have a massive arm. You know, he's not a guy who's going to ping it 70 yards. He's, he's not a huge arm. And in one of the games, they had to go for a, um, they had to go for a Hail Mary. And quite simply, they couldn't do it from their own half. He had to sort of run a quick screenplay to get into the opposition half to be able to launch it downfield. Um, so, yeah, but I mean, is that really the build and end? Or, I mean, I, no, I no, 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 no. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. That's like saying, you know, <laughs> you're a wide receiver who's not that fast. I'd rather have a wide receiver who's got great hands than someone who's a burner. It's not, it's, it's not a bit, I mean, we've seen it with a number of quarterbacks who can just nail the bar ball almost the entire length of the field, but they can't throw the five-yard screen pass. But it's a factor. Josh Allen! Josh Allen! Sorry. <laughs> but it's a factor. That's, That's all I'm saying. It's a factor and a weakness. It's not the be-all and end-all. And if, 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 if I'm saying to you, as a quarterback, what, what downfall do you want? The downfall you would probably accept is he's got a big arm. That's, mm. that's the downfall. You, you, you wouldn't let decision-making go. You wouldn't let pocket presence go. You wouldn't let a lot of other things go. The big arm, you kind of give that one away, but it's still a weakness. Without any shadow, that's still a weakness. Fair enough. And the, the only other potential weakness for me is that we've only seen one year of true golden production from this guy oh yeah you know it's a real shame that he he wasn't able to force his way through a higher state you know he lost those three years basically at the start of his career and then had a rush to 2018 as well you know it's good to see progression to a certain degree but does it not i mean a lot of the time when you're building when you're looking at a quarterback in in college the fact that he's had that sort of advocacy of not being the starter and saying, oh, I'm going to go somewhere else and get another role. I mean, a lot of quarterbacks move to different colleges. A lot on our list tonight have moved to different colleges. Um, and it's the fact that he didn't go in and didn't immediately get given the starter's job and he hasn't played 60 games and got a billion touchdowns. He's had that adversity of going, you know what, you need to prove that you're good enough. And he's done it. Yeah, he's done that. He's proven yeah, it's it. A great it's great story. It's a number, great story. Number one overall pick. Yeah. Mm. There's not many quarterbacks who come and out. Not many quarterbacks who come out with a national championship and three bowl wins. Um, and people are saying, yes, no. you, you've got all of that, but you're still too ex- inexperienced. I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> I'm just looking, uh, like I said, it's difficult to poke any hole in the, in the armour here mm. of Joe Burrow. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he does. Obviously, it's annoying that as a Steelers fan, he's going to be doing it in my division. But uh, I, I've, only, I've got full faith in the Cincinnati Bengals to, uh, to bengal that up. Yeah. Um, I've got a couple of questions for you on this one. We'll be really quick, though, because no point in delaying them okay. too much. 
Um, what no. do you think would be, if he could choose anywhere to go to that would suit him, <laughs> where do you think he'd go? If he could pick any, any team, forget about their quarterback, any team. Uh, the teams that need a quarterback, I think he'd probably take any of the others. He'd take Miami, he'd take uh, the Chargers, you know. See, I think if he could take any team, it'd be the Steelers. Um, mainly because, <laughs> well, no, generally, this it is a first round pick. Well, you know, no, but I mean, and I'm not talking about, I'm just talking about him being able to choose any other team. I or think it'd be the Steelers team, because, because you guys will build your team around a quarterback. If it's, if it goes to the Patriots, I don't think it's a good environment to play in. Um, and I don't think it's, uh, built around a quarterback. I think it's built around a scheme which the quarterback has to fit to. Um, which I think yeah. you also have to factor in how long is Belichick going to be there as well. Um, the other question is who does he remind Drew. you of in the league? Who's Yeah, I think Drew Brees wouldn't be a terrible comparison. Right, okay. So he reminds me a bit of Tony Roman, if I'm honest. Okay. Um, hasn't got that big arm. Um, good quality. Uh, I mean, again, you hear through Tony Romo's commentary about his knowledge of the game and how he reads the game and that's kind of where it reminds me of him um, but yeah and is is there any way he's not going first overall no no he, he's got even if it's not to the, the Bengals he's going number one overall because that's that's how they grade people in the NFL you know your, your quarterback is the most important play, yeah. piece in any um, any puzzle so and there's no way the Bengals are going to bangle it up and go with Chase Young or Simmons or anything like that. You don't see anywhere. <laughs> I agree with you, no, no. but you know the Bengals better than I do. The only, the only way it doesn't work out is if the Bengals move out of that position and someone like the Dolphins or Chargers move up. If mm. they, if they sell the farm to go and get him. But Joe Burrow's got number one overall. You can, you can mark it down. Cool. So there's a couple of mock drafts out there where he's not going first overall. Yeah, but um, that's just people clickbaiting now. Oh no, I, I that, probably that agree with that. Uh, but I mean, these, also, these are first yesterday as well. <laughs> well, these are NFL guys who are saying it as well, which is a bit weird. But yeah, no, no I, I, they've got I agree they want they want clicks. Yeah, no, I agree. They want, they're not being they're not being genuine now. Well, what there was uh, I think Peter Schrager said it was going to be uh, Justin Herbert, which was uh, an interesting take. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to Justin Herbert later. Yeah, it's quite. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it, it, there's there's. A, a clear gap from what I can see between 2019 Joe Burrow and everyone else in this draft class. Yeah. What if, what if uh, probably our next incumbent too, I was a hundred percent fit. Even then. You reckon? Yeah. If, I, if two I've got some more red flags than two of them I have on Joe. I think his ceiling's potentially higher. Um, I think he, I think he's more dynamic. I don't know if we're moving on to tour right now, but I, I think his, his ceiling's a lot higher, but also his floor's a lot lower as well. It's a little bit more boom or bust. You think Joe Burrow's more boom or bust? No, no, no. Two is more boom or bust. I think he's definitely got a lower floor. <laughs> I don't know if he's got a higher oh, ceiling. Oh, yeah, 100%. Because Tua's not known for having a huge arm either. No, I agree. But he's more of a mover. He's, I mean, Tua can potentially be all things um, you want as a quarterback. Um, his record in the 2019 season before he got injured was just astonishing. His rating was high. He was, I mean, it was absolutely amazing. And he would be the first overall pick if there wasn't that injury. He's more experienced. He's got more touchdowns. He's just, yeah, he, everything about him tells you he's going to be uh, the better guy, in my opinion. I, mean, I didn't see that 
watching quite a lot of his games, I don't get the impression that he is quite as um, Hollywood as Joe Burrow is when it comes to the quarterback position. I think both players' skill sets translate to the NFL quite well. And it's just about what you like. I think Burrow's obviously a lot bigger. Um, but I mean, it's, you're picking between sort of you're picking between two guys who are obviously elite in the SEC. So uh, personally, I uh, I side on the two side of it. And if it was me, uh, if I was in charge of the Bengals, I'd transfer it out of the first round spot, and whoever's not available, then pick them up afterwards because I'd be happy with either. To be perfectly honest, <laughs> that's a very dangerous way to get out of um, making a decision. <laughs> potentially but the and only reason the only reason that I would do that is potentially I think you can go a bit lower than third the only reason I'd do that is just because oh. the extra draft capital that you would get in order to put, for a team to move up uh, would benefit you significantly in the other areas that you need to you need to improve it's always a difficult one when you're talking about accumulating draft picks to fill so many holes if you're a team like the Browns yeah. you know, a couple of years ago, uh, or like the Dolphins right now, or like the Bengals. Yeah, there are some schools of thought that say, accumulate draft picks, trade down, you know, maybe next year there'll be a quarterback. But really, you shouldn't be aiming to get the number one overall pick multiple years in a row like the Browns managed to do. Oh, I you agree. Know, I agree. You should think about, you should try and be like what the Giants used to be where you would almost never be in the position where you were picking so high and you take that advantage to to take a quarterback because you shouldn't ever be in a position you know normally where you're drafting in that region where you can get the number one quarterback in in the draft class i i'm always of the opinion on the other school of thought that you should be going for quality over quantity you can always pick up free agents you can always get people off the street you know and try and make them work if you've got the right coaching but if you've got a chance to get Joe Burrow, then you need to take it and just be, you know, happy with the fact that everyone agreed with you that it was the right move. Mm. I think the a bit like, you know, Jadeveon Clowney a couple of years ago. You know, um, the, the Texans were being told, you know, that is the, the consensus best player in the draft, um, and they went for it. You know, was it right in hindsight? Well, they didn't last more than five years there. So that's probably on Bill O'Brien more than anything else. Well, let's not use Bill O'Brien as the uh, as the oracle of what to do in the draft. <laughs> I think my point really <laughs> is Cam Newton, Cam Newton, James Winston. You know, they were number one overall picks. And again, you know. again, we we using Cam Newton, we using uh, James Winston as a, what the right thing to do is. I mean, Mario has been <laughs> first overall. There's no way to know for sure. It's just that I'm perfectly happy. No. As an owner, as a GM, I'd be perfectly happy in picking either uh, Tua or uh, picking Burrow. Now, on that basis, I'm happy to move down because I'm happy to accept either of them. That's, and if, if it's a case where I lose out on both of them, that's fine. I'd move on somewhere else because they've still got Andy Dalton. Andy Dalton's still there, still under contract. <laughs> no, he is. He absolutely is. Whether or not they're sold on him, I yeah, see. Yeah, Andy Dalton. But... How much of a team can you build? You could, they could, they could pull an absolute worldie, and they could sell, they could sell everything, get loads and loads of draft capital, then go and get Cam Newton. I mean, they won't do that because they're the most conservative organization in the NFL. But they could. Tight, you mean? Well, yeah, that as well. <laughs> but they I just mean, don't pay the players. 
all I'm saying is it gives them huge options and they could be uber aggressive. I don't think they will. I think this is all pie in the sky and they are going to draft them one overall pick who everyone expects because they're not going to take a chance and that's what they should do. So, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly shocked that they've actually franchise tagged someone this year, to be perfectly honest. Um, <laughs> but no, I think they're going to be there. But I think it's worth the discussion. The, the draft capital that you can get um, for that, I think they have bigger needs than just a quarterback. And that's evidenced by the fact that he's going to go there. And is he going to change the organization, really? Probably not. He's going to go there and get absolutely smashed. So why follow that line? Why go and be the team that goes and gets a quarterback and nothing changes? Go and get draft capital, get picks, fill your roster with good players, go and get a uh, free agent. As you said, you can pick up a free agent or a guy off the street, pick him at quarterback, put him there, put someone who's got that experience. Didn't say that for quarterback. No, but no, I know you didn't, but I did. Other positions, you can get free agents and, and street people, you know. Well, you can also get studs that change your team. You absolutely can. Look at, look at what you've done in terms of trading for, I mean, you traded for a known quantity and it's changed your offense as a safety. So there's an argument, there's always an argument for making that. And I get what you're saying entirely. I, I genuinely do. And do you know what? I probably agree with you. But there's an argument to be made of not going and getting Burrow. Them going and drafting Burrow first of all, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change for them whatsoever. They're going to carry on being the Bengals. And nothing's going to happen. So why not take a punt and go and get extra draft capital and make something of your team? Make a defense that rivals the Bears. Make an offense that rivals the Vikings. Uh, the Vikings. Yeah, the Vikings. Why not? They've got, they've got weapons all over the place. Why not? Go and be aggressive and do that. Because neither of those two... Because you might miss out on a generational talent. That's the, the point, isn't it? You might. But we've also, but as reference, we've also seen number one overall picks be absolute garbage. Hence, Mr. Mariota. But it's, just, it's an argument that's worth talking about. <laughs> that's, the thing I'm saying. that's the thing I'm saying. It's an argument worth discussing. I don't think yeah, it's all very nice theoretical. But... Well, technically, every player in the draft is a, a theoretical generational talent. You know, look around. Yeah, which is why you look at them and analyze them and make a decision on you know what you've seen on their game tape. Yeah, and, it, and it, we've it, all seen what Joe Burrow did last year. We did, but we've all seen what he's done the years before as well, and that's where the arguments can be made. As I say, I, I, yeah, I probably agree with you. Um, I think it's worthwhile making that discussion, though. That's all. Okay, but we both agree that Joe Burrow should be taking number one overall by the Bengals. Uh, he should be taking number one overall. I agree. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, let's talk about Tua Tunga Vila, uh for Alabama. Yeah. He spent three years there. Started off 2017 as the backup for Jalen Hurts. He got some game time due to so many blowout wins for Bama. Um, he managed to score eight touchdowns when he won the interception in that time. And he replaced Jalen Hurts halfway through the national championship game and scored three touchdowns and an overtime win over Georgia. Um, and in 2018, Nick Saban gives him the starting role. Uh, he wins 12 regular season. Uh, again, no close games. Uh, got up to woke up with touchdowns too. He got 37 to four interceptions in the regular season. All but two of those games saw a QBR in the high 90s as well. Um, he scraped past Georgia in the SEC game, suffered a high ankle sprain, uh, and then rebounds with four touchdowns against Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl, loses to Clemson in the National Championship, 
He throws two touchdowns, two interceptions in that game to end the season with 43 touchdowns, six interceptions, uh, five rushing touchdowns. And a QBR of 199.5. That was, I think we can say, his best season. 69% completion percentage (laughs) on his throws. Yeah. Uh, 2019, he goes 8-1 with great stats again. 33 touchdowns, just three interceptions. Uh, an average QBR of 94.8. Uh, he suffers another high ankle sprain in the game against Tennessee. and has surgery, so misses a couple of weeks. Um, before being back for his one loss against LSU in a back-and-forth game. So that means Tua's only lost two games in his college career. One of those was the national championship. Um, and it was a game against Mississippi where he suffered a dislocated hip that fractured the posterior wall. He also got a broken nose concussion in that sack as well. So it was a brutal hit. Um, we also, it was partly the turf as well that caused the injury. But yeah, dislocating your hip and fracturing a posterior wall of your, of your hip is an injury that you very rarely come back fully from. And that is the big scare thing for Tua. Yeah. It's, we've got loads of positives we haven't talked about yet. But you can't talk about two without talking about that injury. Oh, 100%. 100%. As soon as it happened, you could see scouts everywhere, just their heads dropping and saying, okay, change your plan. Yeah. Um, looking at the way that this first round is set out with who needs a quarterback and who, I don't want to go too much into the draft part of it, but who needs a quarterback and who's going to be drafting high, just based on maths, one of the big four are going to drop. They just are. They're going to drop. The big four being Burrow, Love, Herbert, and uh, Tua. So, How is Love one of the big four quarterbacks? He's being talked about as, as being picked in the top ten. So he is, one of, he is one of the big four. I agree with you. He shouldn't be. But he's being talked about. I mean, some people have got him going number six to the Chargers. Um, but how many people are picking a quarterback there? Because someone's going to drop out. I doubt it'd be Tua, but it's going to be someone. It wouldn't surprise me with this injury. It's going to scare people from going at him too early. And we've seen it before a number of times where quarterbacks have just fallen and fallen and fallen. And it could be Tua that falls because of that injury. As you say, it wasn't just a broken hip. And that's that's the thing that a lot of people don't get. It's not just a broken bone it's a broken bone but all of the tissue and all of the strength around it broke as well so it's liable to happen again and you just don't have the same strength i had a similar thing with my knee i'm not comparing my injury to tours by any stretch but (laughs) i had a problem with my knee where where i um broke part of my knee and it, it ruptured the patella which is the huge tendon that runs down the front and i've never yeah. Had any strength in my knee since. Um, doesn't help that I'm built like a linebacker with an offensive lineman on his back, but it's, <laughs> it's just never the same. So when you're an elite athlete and you're a team who has to put your entire franchise into this guy, it's it's got to be nervous kicking him. So it wouldn't shock me if he slipped. He's probably not, he's not going to slip outside the first round. Someone's going to take a punt on him. I just think he potentially he's going to be the guy who's going to drop slightly. I think when you start looking at these quarterbacks um, and re-watching game film, it, alongside Burrow, he is the one that stands out for that pure accuracy uh, and pocket presence, his ability to avoid sacks, like we said. You know, he only took um, 11 in his entire career so yeah. far. You know, So he's not someone who 
gets hit by quarterbacks. You know, he, he manages to avoid pressure. And just the, the beauty of him throwing receivers open, he looks so much like Russell Wilson when he's scrambling around and, and making these um, perfect throws. There's no other way to say it. You know, he's not throwing behind too often on the receiver. He's not, you know, making them come back to the ball. He's throwing them into space. The thing that I noticed, um, and it's a similar thing that I noticed with Drew Luck last year, but his is slightly different. His was because of his arm. He's, his throws lead the receivers. So he sees where the receivers are going, pings the ball down the field, not huge pass, maybe it might only be 15, 20 yards, but that moves the, uh, the wide receiver into his area. So it's kind of saying, I'm going there, you need to follow. Kyler Murray did the year before as well. And yeah. it, but, and, but when Drew Locke was doing it, he was always doing it off the front foot. That's really, really important. He was always doing it off the front foot. He'd step into his throw, follow through, and drag the wide receiver into the area that he wanted them to be. Tua was doing it off the back foot. And that's yeah. not something you see. I mean, that's, it's scary when you think about it. He's throwing off the back foot quickly and pulling defenses where he wants them to be and selling um, strong safeties with his eyes. I mean, it was... It was yeah, some of it was great to watch. Really, really good to watch. Burrow was doing a very similar thing as well. And it's not as if you can say that Tua's, you know, a dual threat because he really doesn't do an awful lot on the ground. You know, um, even his best year in 2018, he only did 190 yards on the ground hmm. and the five touchdowns. and went back to 17 yards on the ground in 2019 and two touchdowns. I mean, that's Dwayne Haskins-esque. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of, you know, ground ability. He is he's purely a kind of pocket passer, but a guy that can get outside the outside the hashes and still make a throw down the field you know, and loft the ball in. He's probably got more ground game than we give him credit for, or that his stats at least say. It's just that... Well, he's never averaged more than five yards a run. He's never had to. That's the thing. Because Alabama has always had good running backs. We've spoken about this in previous episodes. They've got a good offensive line. In the SEC, it's, it's a quarterback first league. It's not the Big Ten where you, where you have to run the ball um, just because of the defenders that you have. You have somewhat of an open backfield um, that really allows for more pocket players. And you have to ask, if they were in the Big Ten, would they have those kind of stats? Them being um, Tour and Burrow, probably not. Um, but that's the reason a lot of quarterbacks don't like going to the Big Ten. Um, they sort of stick to either SEC or uh, Big 12. So, yeah, it, it doesn't shock me that they haven't got a huge amount of ground. But again, Burrow's not, not exactly a scrambler. Um, they both sit, sit in the pocket, and, but it's about doing what you do well. You know, there's nothing wrong with sitting in the pocket. It's just a part of the craze, I think, is because Lamar Jackson's been so dangerous um, on the ground, a lot of people, that's, that's something that they're looking for. Let's not forget, you know, the most successful quarterback is someone who doesn't run. I'm not saying that Tua can't run. I'm just saying that he didn't really run for his career. I mean, I, I, we can pull up um, highlight tapes of him running in touchdowns. I'm not saying that. but Oh, yeah, but they're all from about five uh, yards. <laughs> Yeah, most of them, he's, most of them. He's, cer um, he's certainly not Kyler Murray. He's certainly not Lamar Jackson. No. But I don't, no. I don't think he's, I, I don't think he's uh, a Joe Flacco either. I don't think it goes that way. I think you alluded to one of the other knocks on him, Dave, and that is that that Alabama team is stacked. Yeah. You know, he's got two offensive tackles that are probably going in the first round this year, protecting him. He's got 
three to four first round wide receivers to throw at. Yeah, he's got a defense which is renowned every year for being, you know, ferocious. Let's put it that way. Yeah, so no Alabama way. is no defense first and then offense second. Yeah, and so there is a there's always going to be a question mark there on you know when you can able when you're able to throw it to Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy, or hand it off you know to Najee Harris. Do you really you know is it that them is it them lifting you up or is that you lifting them up? And I've I've got some questions about that. I've just got a gut feeling <laughs> but it's, that it's, he hasn't really he's well he's benefited from the system. Yeah, but I mean it, it works both ways though because we've seen it before. We've had um, quarterbacks who've come from really really not strong colleges, and that's been enough on them. So, do you say coming from someone like the Sooners or coming from Alabama? There's there's uh, you know you're part of a good setup, so therefore you you have less credibility, or because you're coming from somewhere like who was it who Josh Allen came from was it Wyoming um, yeah so it, it so there's always that knock no matter which way you go from um, the fact is they're in the SEC um, they are the best team in the SEC I don't care what the stats say I'm, in pure talent they're the best team in the <laughs> SEC I, I don't care what anyone says um, fair enough so there is that knock on him and but the main part above all of this is the injury it just simply is it's just the injury would you if yeah and also his production his, his production did level out a little bit as well um he, he's never thrown a pass over 50 yards in the air yeah where do you think he's likely to go i don't think he falls past miami oh really okay yeah i mean I think, why wouldn't miami take him i think Tua in miami is probably a good fit uh they're being uber aggressive at the moment so uh, I mean, the only way they wouldn't take him if they're worried about the injury and they go for another quarterback. I don't think there's any doubt they are going to go for a QB straight away. Um, it might be a great landing spot for him just because of the fact he can go there and he doesn't have to start day one. Um, they can bench him and just circuit at time. No. Exactly. I think yeah, the- when we're looking at this class, I, I tend to agree with what most of the other um, analysts are saying, that, that Burrow is an A1 and, and Tua is an A2. You know, they are the two best prototypical quarterbacks in the draft. Yeah. They're not my favourite, but they're uh, the consensus, but I understand why they're so highly touted. They've got great mechanics. They're able to put touch and accuracy on the ball. They're able to stand up in the pocket. Uh, there are very few things you need to train out of them in terms of bad habits for them to be productive in the NFL. Yeah. And they've played for two blue chip teams. Yep. No, I agree. I agree. And in Joe Burrow's case, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, I understand why they go. And like I said, if you're the Miami Dolphins and you're sitting at six and somehow you haven't had to move up to get to her and he's there, you've got to take him. Uh, You'll be forever kicking. Don't take a chance on this guy. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it, doesn't, it wouldn't shock me if the Dolphins take him. Um, it also wouldn't shock me if they go for... Um, a stud player as well, someone like Isaiah Simmons, for example, um, because I mean they're a warm weather team and they can afford to go and get a veteran um, or someone who's got yeah. a bit more league experience. It's a bit harder for um, a cold weather team to do that because it's more difficult to play up north. But yeah, again, the benefits you get with drafting that younger quarterback and keeping that draft space, I think it it, it definitely helps you out. Excellent. Okay, so uh, let's take a break then, Dave, and uh, come back and talk about some of the other quarterbacks that are still there. Yep, sounds good. 
Welcome back, guys, to part two of the Jim and the King NFL podcast. This is the quarterback rookie special featuring myself, Jim, and Denver Dave. Hey, Dave. Yo. Yo. So in the first part, we went through the two consensus uh, best players coming out in the draft at QB position, which was Joe Burrow and Tua Tungo-Vailoa, providing yeah. Tua's hip uh, holds up. So in this second part, we're going to go through everyone else that should be mentioned. Uh, so a lot of people to get through. It's might go on a little bit. Um, and and everyone that should be mentioned and a few that shouldn't as well. Yes. Let's. <laughs> should we start with the person that a lot of people are, are thinking uh, is going to go around six in the draft? And that's okay. Justin Herbert from the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, I mean, I think Justin Herbert's one of those guys who's looked very good in college and will come out and will probably be a very efficient, uh, fluid quarterback in the NFL. Uh, I don't see him as anything special. I don't see him as being someone who's going to set the NFL on fire. But at the same time, even Dak's a franchise quarterback. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, but then Dak was drafted in, what was it, the third round, fourth round? Yeah. Yeah. So true. he over overperformed where he was drafted. If you're moving up to sixth, for example, if you're the Chargers, then you are a bit like the Blake Bortles move. Uh, by the Jags in 2014, um, it's a reach, you know, and you're putting a lot uh, more pressure on a quarterback to actually perform straight away. If we want to just talk about um, Justin Herbert's history, then, so he's had four years at Oregon. Um, mm. He came in pretty much, yeah, he played the entire season 2016, uh, went two and six, uh, his record 2017 got to six and one, uh, 2018 got to nine and four. And 2019 was his best season, getting 12 and two record. Uh, yeah, fairly good with his interception record. So he's never thrown more than eight interceptions a season. His last one, he got to 32 touchdowns to six interceptions. Um, good completion percentage. Only once did he dip under 60%, which is King's uh, marker. Um, I mean, but not, not, a not dipping under 60%. Not dipping under 60% though is like a minimum requirement. So it's yes. not. Let's let's not put it there as a positive. No. Well, okay. He was always in the in the mid sixties, basically. Apart from one yeah. season, he went fifty nine point four. I mean, the thing is, the thing is, in so the way that I tend to look at it, rightly or wrongly, and I, do you know what? If you want to hear, by all means, criticize me, um, because this is just sort of my way of looking at it. In the NFL, everyone should be over sixty percent. That's the way that I tend to look at a good season. Are you over sixty percent? In college, I want you to be over sixty five percent. That's kind yeah. of the way that I'm kind of looking at it so Baker Mayfield this season was under 60% in college he was a tad under 70% yeah so it that's kind of how it relates so just because you're over 60% in college doesn't mean to say you're going to be over 60% in the NFL because oh, absolutely that's more than often not the case mm. um, the issue that I have with Justin Herbert more than anything is the number of interceptions that he gets so I was watched um, a little bit of a breakdown of his play. Okay. Um, 23, 23 career interceptions. That's too many for the scheme that he was in. I mean, he, first of all, he was playing in a team that was, had a lot of weapons around him. Um, and when the, it was when the game was on the line, more often than not, he was throwing picks where he shouldn't have been. I mean, they played against Utah. Uh, played against two good defences, really, this year, Utah and Wisconsin. Against Utah, he got 193 yards. Against Wisconsin, 138 yards, no touchdowns. He got a really high ceiling and could probably fit into most offensive schemes. 
I just don't see him as being that special. Um, I saw him play against uh, my Colorado Buffaloes in week six. Um, right. He was 45-3, I think it was. <laughs> I mean, he was superb that game. But then you see him on the other side of it against Utah. It was awful. He couldn't throw the ball. Terrible. Well, those two games so, you refer referring to, the Utah Utes game was the Pac-12 championship game. Um, yeah. And then the Wisconsin was the Rose Bowl after that. Um, where he did, he didn't throw a touchdown. You're right. But he did run in three touchdowns, but that is not Justin Herbert's game. It's, he did, but also one of the big knocks is that he does wilt in the big game. Yeah, that kind of. But also, game. looking at those rushing touchdowns, ninety-five percent of QBs could have got those rushing touchdowns. At one point, the offensive line opened a hole so big, him and three members of his family could have run through there. It was insane. Yeah. So not young members of his family either. We're talking like no, third generation. Like, yeah, third generation fought in, fought in Iwajima type uh, type age. Yeah, <laughs> couple in Nagasaki as well. Yeah. but that's that's the major criticism that you're getting a guy who hasn't done it in the big game, um, no. and has had multiple opportunities to do it. But there's also a lot of people who are saying that this guy could be better for the pros than um, any of our aforementioned Burrow or uh, Tua. So. I, I don't necessarily buy into that. I mean, there was a lot no. of guys who were also also saying that uh, Darnold wasn't, wouldn't be good enough for the pros and that Mayfield wouldn't be good enough for the pros. And potentially, um, we were going to be seeing uh, other quarterbacks in that draft go who would be better for the pros. And that hasn't worked out. So, a lot I mean, of to it is the extent the jury's still out on those two as well, isn't it? You know, they, they need to, to step up their game a little bit more. Um, yeah, I mean, there's there's been definite issues, though, and you can make arguments as to why they haven't been. Yeah, the scheme um, they're in doesn't help them, though. And having uh, mono in his in his ear. So, yeah. Well, not in his ear. He had complete mono, so it was um, uh, glandular fever. So playing with glandular fever when you've got a massive temperature. In, and, of course, you're seeing ghosts as well. It doesn't help. Yeah, not having a good O-line. So Sam Donald's had a lot of problems. If we just talk about some of the positives then for Justin Herbert, I don't want it to be a complete bash. Um, yeah. There has been fairly solid progression for his career. So we've seen the record improve every year. Um, he's a pretty good scrambler in the pocket. So when he does throw the ball, his feet are at least in the ground, although he's bouncing around a little bit before that. Um, yeah. He has got a big arm, so he can stretch the field. Uh, he is willing to run if he if needed. Uh, but for me, he does come off his first read a bit too quickly. So although he does move through progressions, um, he, he doesn't really have the knowledge about what the, the defense is doing to judge whether he should come off his first read. And when he does come off his first read, his completion percentage goes right off the chart. So um, although he might try to be clever, he doesn't or it doesn't really seem to, to follow through with that. He has shrunk against a lot of the big teams in the big games. Um, he doesn't really understand receiver leverage and where he should be throwing someone open. Mm-hmm. He has to wait for the, the play to be open before he throws it. My biggest knock on Justin Herbert then is he looks a lot like Bo Callahan. I can't shake it, man. Whenever I look at him, I look at, I see draft day and I just think there's something up with this kid. Uh, he, he falls <laughs> I mean, into that trap. Job. He falls into that trap of he looks the part, you know, six, six, whatever he is, you know, he oh, yeah. looks great, like if you're, if you're building well. a quarterback, that's how yeah. the older guys would build a quarterback. The problem is the Remember? game is moving on from that and he isn't, he isn't the next generation of quarterback that's dual threat. And that's no. what I look for more. If it's a tiebreaker between two quarterbacks, I'd rather have the person that can still make a play with their legs as well as with their arm. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, I'm, I, I'm very I worried 100%. about him being overdrafted and uh, under-delivering. 
but I mean, you mentioned that that um, percentage completion and the fact it's under sixty five percent of quarterback uh, um, completion in college. That's that's a massive concern. A lot of it is because of, as you say, the first uh, first play read. Yeah, and the amount of times. The other thing that I watched a bit of um, Oregon game tape, and the thing that got me is when it was sort of third and short. The amount of times they handed it off to run it, that's not typical. And it's, it stinks a little bit of, I don't trust my quarterback to make this third down. Um, it's not normally something. It could, all be, it could be a double bluff as well. But speaking as a Broncos fan, the amount of times I've seen us run on third down, third and short, um, yeah, it, it just felt a bit like they were being reserved. And he's not a guy who will gun-ho go down, the, go down the line. I think his arm's very, very good. I don't think it's particularly special, but I think it's good. Um, better than some guys in this class. But yeah, it doesn't fill me with huge amounts of confidence that he's going to be someone who you want to rush your franchise on. No, I, I don't see what a lot of other people are seeing. Um, yeah. I've seen too many Mitch Trubisky's come out and Hackenbergs and people like that, you know, the people that were supposed to win it and um, yeah. just never really... Um, but progressed of, into the pros you know. out of everyone in this draft out of the out of the lot that I've looked at he's got the most amount of touchdowns I mean he's played a lot of games um, but he's got nearly 100 touchdowns and that says a lot in college so he has got pedigree there's no doubt about that mm. and he's not, just, he's not terrible in one area either no I wouldn't say he's terrible you know, every quarterback's got things you can pull apart on their game I just I don't understand why he's being touted so high maybe it's a desperation thing and the fact that so many teams are still looking for a quarterback that he's being elevated um, <laughs> plus looking at him you're like oh yeah but again I just see Bo Callahan when I look at him last thing on Herbert <laughs> then uh, for me Dave is if you want to see any uh, game film how about turning on the 2018 Red Box Bowl game against the Michigan State Spartans a thrilling 7-6 win for the Oregon Ducks there. <laughs> and they still won. <laughs> they did win. They did win. A one-point thriller. Uh, yeah, so that's I Justin Herbert. Anything else you want to say on him? Or... Like that. <laughs> I nope. don't want to see him again. Anything else on Herbert from you? Um, only that if he does go to the Chargers, uh, mm. I look forward to seeing him twice a season. <laughs> and I'm sure that sure Bob Miller and Bradley Chubb do as well. <laughs> Ouch. Okay, so let's move on then. Uh, I'm guessing we should go to what's the consensus number four QB for some reason, uh, which is Jordan Love from the Utah State Aggies. Just saying that sounds ridiculous. But um, <laughs> talk to me about Jordan Love, Dave. What, what do you recommend? I think when you look what's at Jordan on? Love, when you look at Jordan Love, you can see the appeal. Um, he's a big guy, was he six four, six five, something like that? Moves pretty well for a big guy. Yep. Um, the problem that I have with him is completion rate. Completion percentage is not great. Like really not great. Doesn't go through progressions very well. Launches it down the field though. Does for a guy who doesn't have a big arm. He's in a terrible division. Like awful division. It's the Mountain West Conference. Yeah, which is like tier six, tier seven. Um, And he doesn't particularly, he gets a lot of interceptions, 29 interceptions against 60 uh, touchdowns in college. So you're operating at a two for one uh, touchdown to interception ratio, which in college, 
wow to put that into some perspective justin herbert who we were just talking about he's 95 to 23 and jordan loves 60 to 29 mm. and this, again, this is not against stellar defences. For some reason, everyone's no. loving Jordan, Jordan Love. Um, and you don't love Jordan? I don't get it. No. I have no love for Jordan. <laughs> I hope he gets picked up by the Chargers. I really do. So I, let's just I, go I don't back. understand it. Let's go on the history of Jordan Love then. So he redshirts his 2016 season. So he started... Yeah. He, um, 2017, there's a bit of a split. It's a six and six team. He went three and three in the second half of the season. Uh, and then he had eight touchdowns to six interceptions, um, two rushing touchdowns. So nothing much to, to talk about there. Just over one and a half thousand yards passing. 2018 yeah. is the season that all of his supporters talk about. As yes, don't look at anything season. else. Just look at 2018, um, yeah. which is great if you just look at one season. Well, that's where he got his yeah. best completion percentage, 64. He did just over 3,500 passing yards, 32 touchdowns to six interceptions, seven rushing touchdowns. He went 11-2 and two, uh, in that season. He won the bowl game against North Texas, and I think that's where people are looking. Um, yeah. Because then last season, you're supposed to not look at this, I'm guessing, because he threw 20 touchdowns <laughs> and 17 interceptions. He threw three yeah. picks against LSU with no touchdowns. Three picks in the season opener away to Wake Forest and three in a home loss to BYU. Um, and, and rushed no touchdowns either. So it's not even as if he's a dual threat. He had 160, six, uh, 175 yards rushing. Average 2.2 no. yards uh, a rush. The key, the key there in what you said is, is who he was getting picks against. Wake Forest. I mean, yeah. we're seeing some guys who are getting picks against LSU, against Alabama. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be honest, Wake Forest are not a team that are too high up on my knowledge list. Yeah. <laughs> I struggled to find game film. That's how low uh, a Mountain West is. It's, I, without wanting to dig the boot in too much. I don't think it's going to make I any difference the, to him. But, no, uh, yeah. I, I, I love the story. Well, I love the story of a guy who came from, let's use Wyoming, for example, a lower team mm-hmm. and comes up into the NFL. I, I love that story. I think it's a great story. The problem is he's not a guy who's a, a lower team who's blitzing everyone and outperforming everyone and looks amazing, looks brilliant. He mm. looks okay. I think he looks fine. Mm. But he's performing at such a low level. I don't understand how anyone can think he's going to go in the first round. I don't think he'll go in the first three rounds. If he does, it's a stretch. It reminds me of Paxton Lynch. He should not be going this far. He should not be going this high up in the draft. He's just not. I don't see the talent. I just don't it, see it. Yeah, it's, it's the, the biggest problem of any small school quarterback is that even if you looked great, which he only in 2018 looked good, but not great, is that if, if I'm a GM, and, I, and what I'm trying to do on these things, and I'm sure everyone else is doing the same, is just trying to evaluate the talent. And the opposition can't be ignored. So, you know, whenever he came up against even a half-decent opposition, he crumbled. And then all his supporters will go, well, it's because he didn't have the weapons around him. Okay, but all the film <laughs> I saw, his opponents are rushing three. So he's got half an hour in the pocket before he gets to launch one down the field at substandard cornerbacks. So, you know, it works both ways. You can't say that, oh, he's got no one to throw to. The, the point is, he's got a good chance of making that completion if he's that good because the, court, the, yeah. the opposition's not that good enough. So, and there was quite a few times when he was throwing the ball behind the line of scrimmage. So he, he was basically throwing it negative two yards. Except the guy who received the ball 
was dodging a couple of tackles would make 35 yards down the field and all of a sudden it turns into a 30-yard pass for him. Well, yes, you, because, you do get a lot of Because of the level knowledge. he was playing at. Yeah, Justin so, Herbert was just as guilty of that. You probably are, and Tua was as well, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Because of, because of the division, the amount of missed tackles that you were seeing mm. and almost false yardage, I think, was somewhat amplified. Because um, typically, the further you go down, the worse defences get. Yeah. I mean, his, his positives are he's got a big arm strength. He's great yep. at going through progressions. So at least he was doing that. He was looking through first, second, and then check down options as well when he was playing his games. He did have the time, but he was at least doing it. He's able to scramble around in the pocket. Um, he's actually got pretty good touch as well. So if he did need to check it down to a, a tight end or a running back, he wasn't Cam Newton launching it like a laser at them for 10 yards. He was actually <laughs> taking some of the sting off the ball. Um, but that, that's all you've really got. The, the problems I've got with him is he's got some mechanics to clean up in his throwing motion. He, he one-hands the ball in the pocket, so he's able to get strip-sacked if he's not careful. Um, he holds the ball too long as well, which is another problem. His decision-making sometimes, again, you know, because he's got that amount of time in the pocket, sometimes he is looking off the right the right read too quickly. So it's not as if he's going to be able to be plucked into a, a New England or somewhere and just say, oh, well, there you go, Jordan. You know, you get the same amount of time in the pocket because that O-line isn't as good as it used to be. And no. the defense is playing against, you know, the window is going to be so much smaller for him to throw into. So you know, if Justin Herbert's a, a potential bust in, in my eyes, then Jordan Love's a massive flaw. Um, he might have a big ceiling. I, I'd, I'd love him to do well. I'd love them all to do well. But yeah. I, if I was in charge of an NFL franchise, I would never stake my plums on a player like Jordan Love because the downside <laughs> is so big. I could get fired through that kind of a, a pick, especially yeah. in the first or second round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean... Uh... The, if it's if it's a running back or if it's a receiver or something like that, absolutely you can take a punt because if you miss, it's no huge deal. Mm. If it's a quarterback, as as you say, I mean, it it changes the complete franchise. If you're picking someone potentially that high up, it yeah. it can be. Not only is it going to be a terrible. Not only is it going to be a terrible pick, but you're wasting a first-round pick and look at the talent that's around him. I mean, if you look at players from uh, from schools who are in Mountain West, I mean, Wyoming are in Mountain West. Um, Derek Carr came from Mountain West and Fresno State, Fred Rippon, um, Andy Dalton as well. So there are there has been um, quarterbacks who have come from um, come from colleges in at this level, but it's rare. It is very, very rare. And they're certainly not 24th overall pick kind of level either. No. I mean, the best the best that you're looking at is probably, what, Alex Smith? But again, he's never won a big game. He was the number one overall pick. Yeah. But I was, what I'm saying is he's never won a big game. <laughs> yeah. Never, it was, I mean, that's no, a bad no, example. He, <laughs> but it's not really. I mean, he did okay. Would you, you, know, would you take him as a uh, franchise quarterback? No, of course not. He was a regular season quarterback. He couldn't do it in the playoffs. Oh, there you he go. Choked. <laughs> That's exactly the point. So he must have transferred out of, uh, out of there before he got drafted. I can't remember where he came out of. Uh, Utah. Did he really come out of the Utah Utes? I believe so, yeah. It was the Utah Utes, yeah. So he played um, 14, no, sorry, 24 games for them. So it wasn't an awful You're lot. You're laugh. 
24 games and you get picked first overall. Uh, there's other players that have played less than that that we're going to be talking about later on. <laughs> <laughs> Including your favourite I mean, QB, Dave. <laughs> I mean, you have a point. Yeah, but he's not going to get picked first overall. Come no, on. No, he's not. No, he's open not anyway. <laughs> Trubisco had like 16 games, didn't he? Look how that turned out. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay, so we've we've kind of hopefully poured a little bit of water on a couple of quarterbacks. Um, what do you want to do now, Dave? Do you want to look at uh, your favourite or my favourite or... Uh, let's go for yours go for yours <sighs> okay so um my favorite qb coming out of this draft that i hope that the steelers pick up by the way um <laughs> so you know <laughs> i am i'm putting skin in this game is i would like him as my franchise quarterback is jalen hurts from the oklahoma sooners uh, formerly alabama crimson tide quarterback yeah uh a massive amount we can talk about Jalen Hurts. As far as I'm concerned, he's the only underrated QB in this draft. And I have no uh, idea why he is not being talked about in first round terms. I and mean, I'm happy he's not because I want him to fall to the Steelers in the second round. But I don't get it. I don't get how Jordan Love, who had one good season in a crap conference a year ago, is getting talked about as a top 10, top 20 pick. And yet a guy who spent, who spent four years at two premier um, programs is not being talked about in that respect when he's put up better stats in every every way. I think part of it is because a lot of his success is down to his rushing ability, uh, which some are seeing as a downfall. I think that trend is very much changing. Uh, the fact, I mean, this year he was, not only was the top rusher for... Um, for the Sooners, he was the top rusher, and then some. If you times the person who finished second by three, they're still short of what he got. Twenty rushing touchdowns for a quarterback yeah. is ridiculous in one season. It's yeah, insane. Yeah, in one season, um, yeah, it's, it's absolutely insane. But so he was a. Um, I'll let you do the history because you obviously yep. have done uh, a lot, a lot more work on him. Okay, so uh, 2016, he goes to um, Alabama as a true freshman. They go unbeaten 12-0 in the regular season. They beat Washington in the Peach Bowl before losing the national championship in the close game against Deshaun Watson's Clemson. Hurts ends the season with 23 passing touchdowns, 13 rushing touchdowns and nine interceptions. So a great first season by anyone's um, metrics there. Uh, getting all the way to a national championship in the, in the first game. game. Sorry? Yeah. Apart from being benched in, was that the game? Was that the season no. he was benched in the? No, it was no. the following season. No, so 2017, Alabama go 11 and one in the regular season. Um, yep. 15 passing touchdowns, uh, eight rushing touchdowns, and one interception in the whole season. Only loss came in the regular season game against Auburn. Uh, Hertz cruised past Clemson in the Sugar Bowl before the national championship game against Georgia. Hertz was benched for tour at halftime. Uh, which means that Hurts ends his first two seasons with a 26 and two record, getting to two national championships in a row. So for Alabama, for Alabama, yeah. yeah. Now, I don't know about you, Dave, but if I had a record of 26 and two, and in my two seasons I got to two national championships, I'd be pretty pissed off that I got benched halfway through one um, for a guy that scraped the win. Because you'll, we will never know now. We will never know. You can say as much as you like that Tua came in and, and, and won the game, but we don't know yeah. how Hurts would have handled that second half because he actually gets true. better through games as well. Um, so what you'd normally expect at that point, as um, Nick Saban had you know, obviously decided to anoint Tua as the new um, 
starting quarterback going into the 2018 season. You'd expect the guy that got to two national championships to, you know, turn into kind of TO or something, you know, start um, throwing plates around and, and demanding um, a transfer to another school. But he didn't. He actually sat at uh, Alabama. He stayed there for another year. Um, Hertz is now a mop-up duty instead of Tua. Um, but in the SEC championship game, he had a chance to reverse those roles. Tua had a bad game and came out with an injury with 11 minutes remaining. Hertz comes in, throws a touchdown to Jerry Judy, runs in ones himself for the winner. Um, Tua returned for the Orange Bowl win over Oklahoma, but lost to Clemson again in the national championship. This time um, against, uh, who was it? Trevor Lawrence. So, yeah. He plays a season as the backup, but still gets you know some stats in there. You know he still has an eight and two touchdown to interception ratio, two rushing touchdowns, uh, including that SEC championship game where he had a little bit yeah. of catharsis against Georgia. Um, and then 2019, Hertz transfers to Oklahoma, gets a 12 and two record in his one season there. So you know he didn't have an awful lot of time to learn the new scheme. Uh, second loss of those two was against the unstoppable LSU in the Peach Bowl. So. Really, you know, Norm was going to beat LSU last season. Uh, he finished yeah. the season with 32 passing touchdowns, 32 passing touchdowns, 20 t- rushing touchdowns, and just eight interceptions. Um, so all the people that said he can't throw it, well, you know, he threw almost 4,000 yards last year and had one almost three, almost 1,300 yards on the ground. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he finished his career with a 37 and five record. As a starter, yeah. So, I'm, I'm not. I'm not necessarily disagreeing. I think Hertz looks good. Um, the problem I think that a lot of people have is the last two Oklahoma Sooners quarterbacks. Um, right. They both played. They both played under Lincoln Riley. Yeah. How much of it is down to the scheme rather than the quarterback? Because he was playing at Alabama. Yeah. Um, is Class of completion percentage on a half decent sample of games was never above 62%, uh, or the 63%, rather. Mm-hmm. He goes to Oklahoma, and it's almost it's 70 all of a sudden. Um, his touchdowns go through the roof. They're scheming for him to run. Again, some of the holes he was running through were insane. Now, I don't necessarily believe it is the scheme, but it's a valid question worth asking. Um, I don't necessarily believe that he's Lamar Jackson. I don't think he's no. as dynamic on the ground as Lamar Jackson. I think this is going to sound a bit ridiculous, and it's not meant because I don't. This isn't meant as a dig, but I think he's more like Terod Taylor than he is, than he is Lamar Jackson. That's not a dig. I think Taylor's very, very underrated as a quarterback. Really, really underrated. <laughs> I think he's had a bit of a hard time. I'm taking that as the a ball fence. well. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it is because he looks after the ball well and goes through progressions well. I think he's a very, very underrated quarterback. I think what happened to him in uh, in Cleveland has probably hurt him quite a lot, and I think this is his potential big season coming up. Um, there's every chance he's hurt by the fact he doesn't go down the field all that much, but that's a feature of the air raid system that he plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he'll get drafted in the first. I think he'll probably be in day two. I think he'll be second and third round. Uh, and it wouldn't shock me if someone does take a punt on him sort of midway through the second. I think he's a very good, very capable quarterback. I don't think there's anything spectacular on his record that doesn't come with a little asterisk. But it, it certainly, the one thing I will say is he certainly does create questions, but in the positive way. 
So where you've got other quarterbacks who raise questions in a negative way of why does it do this? Why does it do that? Here you're asking, how does he do this? You know, how does yeah. he throw 30, 32 touchdowns in a season when he's never come close to doing that before with only eight picks? And that's, I think, what raises these questions, what raises the concern of is it the system rather than the quarterback? I mean, you've got Fair the last two, quarterbacks, last two quarterbacks for the Sooners have been uh, Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray, both Heisman winners, both go yep. first overall. Um, I don't think anyone's expecting uh, Jalen Hurts to go first overall. I don't think most people are expecting him to go in the first round. There has to be that disparity there for a reason. Um, I think he looks superb in the highlight reel. I think it's great in games. Um, but there's just a few concerns there for me. That's all. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, you know, Alabama does play a different system. They do like to run it a lot more with the running back yeah. rather than um, expect the quarterback to do all the work. So I, I would counter with that to a certain extent. Um, yeah. You know, and there are some issues with this game. You know, he's not the most accurate of passes. He's got some mechanics to clean up. He's a little bit bouncy when he's uh, looking around for his, his pass. He does sometimes hold it just a little bit too long before throwing. So I think, but I think, I think that's that actually more down to the Oklahoma offense. And I, yeah, I don't think a lot of that is because he's, afforded, he's being afforded that time. And I think when you look at the air raid system, a lot of it is about crossing routes. So you'll get wide receivers who will immediately cross your line, your line. So you'll, yeah. you'll know that he's there and is available. So you immediately looking past him. You're not even looking because you know there's going to be a guy there. So you're looking way down the field going, can I make that pass down there? And you can wait till the very last second and go, nope, hit him on the slam. Because you know he's always going to be there. It's kind of like if you're in, in soccer, if you're a wing back, you know you can try and whip a cross in or you can just put it down the line because you know the wing is always going to be there. So it's kind of your fail safe. And that's exactly what we would, you'd often see. You don't see him hold on the ball, hold on the ball. Hold. Can anyone get separation? Nope, I'm just going to hit him on the round. And that was all it was. That's exactly what it was. Yeah, so I don't necessarily think holding on to it for too long was too much of an issue. Well, he didn't have any studs on the O-line to protect him. So there were times when the, the play would break down a bit too quickly. And yeah. I just don't think he really trusted his receivers outside of C.D. Lamb um, to turn and, and catch the ball in time. So he did seem to hold like, just, just a fraction. I mean, we're only talking less than half a second, but you, just, you yeah. wanted to see it out a little bit quicker. Well, I mean, Rambo's obviously, I mean, what a name, first and yeah, foremost, as a Rambo. wide receiver. Yeah, very good. Um, but he, a lot of the time he was the deep threat as opposed to, um, being the guy on the slant who'd be receiving, doing the dirty yards. Yeah, and, and the good thing about Jalen Hurts when he's running the ball is he gets vertical very quickly, so he does yeah. make up yardage, and he also can take the first tackle and seems to keep his legs moving. So he does turn into a proper runner when he's mm. got the ball. He's not just sliding as soon as he can, you know. He, he does try and get the yardage. And he, For me, it's the intangibles. It's not just that I can see the, the progress through his career of getting better and, you know, finishing up with the strongest season is always the best way of doing it rather than being Jordan Love. Um, mm. But, you know, it's the intangibles. It is the willingness to stay for the team and help them to get a win, even if he's not starting a game at Alabama. It is coming in at the last minute and, and getting a win. You know, it, it's the way he carries himself. That, mm. I just, that for me, that's important for me in, in a franchise quarterback. I want, I want to actually support a team that I like the quarterback for, you know. So, yeah, th that's important. It can't just be a douchebag that, you know, <laughs> so out of all the quarterbacks in the draft this is the because you guys should be picking up a mid-round quarterback somewhere should be um, and you're hoping that it's going to be Jalen Hurts what did last season show for the Steelers if we had a decent quarterback we'd have made the playoffs yeah we were half a game back from going through yeah so absolutely. 
Big Ben has got at best two years left of good performance. He might not. He he's very likely not got that. I'd hope he do because you know I'm, I I love Big Ben, but you know you got to be a realist. Look at that draft class. Eli's retired. Rivers is washed up. Uh, the Colts picked him up as a as a transfer for one year while they're probably picking up a quarterback as well in this draft. Maybe Jordan Love. So you know worst signing worst sign in the off season. Yeah. So you know he's had a year off in in many respects because of this injury. And you just yeah. hope that he comes back and it's almost like Adrian Peterson. We've had a year off to recover properly. Um, yeah. It's kind of staved off one year of, um, of, of fall off. Unless but, you know, everyone's, everyone's, got to, everyone's got a plan for the next quarterback. So, you know, I, I think we can survive every other position, but we need to have a better uh, future plan there than Mason Rudolph or, or Devlin Hodges. <laughs> I think you're right. So there we go. That's Jalen Hurts, as far as I can see. Um, yeah, love everything I see about him. Obviously, there are some things that need improving, but you can say it to every single one of these quarterbacks, including Joe Burrow. Yeah, no, I agree. Should we talk about your favourite quarterback then coming out of this draft? Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> oh, Anthony Gordon. Because this is typically you, Dave. <laughs> well, it's, the thing is, <laughs> the you Washington know me. State not... Cougars. <laughs> yeah, I love, I love uh, an underdog, and so he's only really played. Um, two seasons. Well, he's played one and a one season, season, pretty much. Came in in 2018 um, as a basically as a relief pitcher. Threw a couple of passes. Um, one of them was an interception, funnily enough. Yeah, no touchdown, um, one interception <laughs> on three completions. Yes, five attempts, three completions. Over sixty percent. He had sixty percent so, completion percentage. Yeah, on five yeah, attempts. which is the minimum. Which is Jesus, the minimum. you so, can pick him, can't you? Go on. Hey, in 2019. Yep, yeah, let's do it. Um, Came in again. Uh, came in first game of the season. Yep. Wasn't expected to be the starter and lit it up straight away. Um, if you look at in the first of all in the Pac-12, what he was first in he was first in past completions, past attempts, um, past percentage, uh, passing yards, less fewest interceptions, most touchdowns. In the end, double A. Fewest interceptions. Yeah. Did they have the fewest in that in that division? Because wow. In Pac-12, in Pac-12, yeah. He had 16. 16. Yeah, well, he had 16, <laughs> fewest in the Pac-12 yeah. um, among any starters who had more than a certain amount of appearances. I mean, you had some who would play, you know, five snaps and stuff like that. But yeah, against a certain number, I think six appearances, fewest number of interceptions per pro. Um, in terms of pass completions, number one in the NCAA which I think says a lot. Pass attempts, number one. So they, this is a team who leaned on the pass, mm-hmm. um, Washington State. They played the Buffaloes the week after the Buffs got absolutely destroyed um, by uh, Herbert. And again, destroyed again. It was ridiculous. But it was, <laughs> it's, So he took over. He was backing up. He basically redshirted. He was backing up um, the Jags quarterback from this year. Um, well, I can't Say his name. Him. Say his name. I can't remember his name. What is his name? Tell me again. I saw him live. It's ridiculous. All yeah, I'm thinking is Duck, Duck Hodges. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not. That's you getting in my head. You should say Joe Exotic. Uh, yeah, some kind of mind trick. Garner Minshew. Garner Garner Minshew. So, yep. he, so they basically changed the scheme to more dynamic. He was constantly playing with a three wide receiver set and at least mm-hmm. two, touch, two, uh, two tight ends. Yep. Tight ends were a lot of the time were doubling up on the O-line. The O-line is very good. It's, if you look at his stats in terms of what he actually achieved, though, um, 
So in terms of attempts, 689 attempts, five and a half thousand yards, 48 touchdowns. I mean, yeah. it's insane. The stats are insane. Should we and give us a comparison? In... Um, Joe Burrow threw 402 pass attempts. Sorry, 527 yes. pass attempts. Yeah. So in terms of pass attempts, um, I mean, he is by far and away through more than anyone else. Um, Burrow through, uh, more, so two are through more um, than Burrow, but, oh, sorry, two are through a higher percentage than Burrow. Uh, Burrow was 68, two are 69, Gordon was 71. But he's in the Pac-12, which is kind of like fourth tier. So it's kind of like below the Big 12, so below Jalen Hurts, who we've just been talking about. It's that division below. But they'll often play teams. The Big 12 and Pac-12 will often play each other, hence why both play Colorado uh, Buffaloes. But honestly, in all honesty, he's played one full season, threw it completely out, had a losing record, 6-7 and seven record, but a lot of that is because of the defense, because it was just <laughs> in you go, sir. Right. In you go. It's the, the problem is, though, in that division, you can get away with having a lot of interceptions. You get away with having a huge amount of interceptions. As I've said, he was first overall in the total number of interceptions. So it, it is a bit, of a, a bit of a concern. But he was gun ho He came in, was gun ho went for it. Hey, you know, his, his ceiling is huge, but his, his floor is <laughs> You ring so the bell low. for him? Yeah, 100%. He kind hey, of looks like... Go on. Um, the thing is, imagine if you're a Washington State fan and a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. On, on Saturday, you're watching Anthony Gordon, and on Sunday, you're watching another boom or bus quarterback. You'd have been loving it. So there is every possible chance that he's going to come into the uh, NFL and be out very, very quickly. I don't expect him to go anywhere above the third round. If he goes in the third, someone's potentially reached. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's every possibility. If he can go to a team where someone can just you know, sitting down and teaching, this is what we do in the NFL. This is how we play it. Those moments where he can be dynamic and those moments where he can use his physical advantages because he's got a big arm and a strong arm as well. And when you're watching Pat Mahomes throw it sidearm out and, you know, pinging it 30 yards across the field into somebody's hands, he was doing that. And he was doing it under double coverage and getting rushed as well. And yeah, in terms of athleticism and ability to throw, amazing it's the other intangibles that you have to have a concern on he's by far and away my favorite because he's by far and away the big, biggest showtime quarterback well <laughs> simple as that I just, i've just got one question for you dave yeah what drugs are you on <laughs> whole host <laughs> because my word sir you've you've invoked patrick mahomes in your comparison to this guy to be fair to you, right, he doesn't look bad, okay? He looks like he understands the game well, doesn't make many mental errors. Um, I, I was impressed with, the, with what I saw from him. Any mistakes typically weren't his fault. It was usually the person that was supposed to be catching the ball or, you know, oh, yeah. um, receivers kind of bedding down in routes rather than um, continuing what they were supposed to be doing, what they, we thought they were supposed to be doing anyway by the looks of the throw. Um, I saw an interception he threw that was, you know, in the arms of the receiver in the end zone, who then decided to volleyball pitch <laughs> up to the uh, cornerback to take it out of the end zone for an interception. So, yeah. you know, these kind of stats, they don't always tell the whole story, but I'm sure there's always, you know, you could anyone's interception record. And it's probably a yeah. couple that weren't their own fault. 
Um, the only stat he's really got is the 48 touchdowns. Um, yeah. You know, and the 71.5 completion rate percentage as well. Yeah, yeah, okay. But, you know, again, we've got to caveat that with the division he's throwing it in. Yeah, you know, if we're looking at Jordan Love and going, you know, I've, I can't really take this seriously because it, I've well, got no idea of how this translates to... You, you, you're going from, you know, in, again, English football terms, Division 2, right the way up to Premier League. You know, you're, you're jumping several um, classes to get there. And well, whatever he does great there might just be bang average to terrible in the NFL. And to have a six and seven record, despite all of that throwing, you can talk about the defense, but he's put up 48 touchdowns. He had a six and seven record. They lost to the Air Force Falcons in the Cheese It yeah. Bowl, Dave. Okay. The Cheese It Bowl. <laughs> well, let's look at it this way. Justin Herbert also plays in the Pac-12. Jacob Eason also plays in the Pac-12. I don't like either of them. J- Jalen Hurts plays in the Big 12, and that's basically the same. Those teams Not play each same. other. They te- those teams play each other. A lot of those teams play not each other. Not the same, though. It's not the same, but those teams play each other. So if you look at Utah, for example, Utah were one of the few teams that Anthony Gordon played who had uh, a good defense, and he really, really struggled in that game. They didn't win the game. Um, really struggled. It was his fifth ever, fifth ever start. The next time he came up against a team with a good um, defense, he was able to do other things. So it shows the ability to learn on the fly. And it's little things like that that become impressive almost. And I don't, yeah, there's yeah. no, there's no possible reason as to why he can come in the NFL and be great. There is no reason for that. No. His ceiling is incredibly high, but his floor is also incredibly low. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, I, he'll, he'll, he should be there as a backup for someone. I think that, you know, definitely there's, there's um, stock in drafting him later on in the yeah. draft. I, I would not yeah. be mad if he was brought in as a backup for, for the Steelers. Yep. But I think his, under hurts. His, <laughs> His best uh, hope is that someone drafts him fifth, sixth round, maybe something yeah. like that. Yeah. And he beats out whoever he's going to be having competition with in OTAs, mm-hmm. if if they happen. Um, and then the starter gets injured. So let's say he goes to I don't know the Vikings. Vikings need to probably need to pick up a backup quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Cousins gets injured. Now they're set up for a gun ho quarterback, and he comes in, rips five touchdowns in his first game. That's his best option. That's his, he, I think that is where he's going to see success. No one's going to be signing him saying you're going to be starting for his next season. No. Um, so I think that is potentially what we're going to see. But we've seen that last season. I mean, if Rudolph or um, Hodges would have been any good, they, you know, they potentially could be starting this season. Same goes for um, Drew Luck. Same goes for Garner Minshew. Same goes for a lot of quarterbacks last season. That they, they were given their opportunity. A lot of quarterbacks also failed. So Jacoby Brissett, for example. So we, you see it every season where there are some quarterbacks who are given the opportunity, and that's what he needs. He needs that opportunity to come in to be either great or terrible. So um, let's move on then to – we've done the, the good. We've done the bad. We've done – well, yeah. potentially bad. We've done our favourites. How about the mayor? Let's talk about two quarterbacks then that are really kind of so bland that they – will get drafted at some point, but probably shouldn't be at any kind of we've, high level. We've already, dis- we've already discussed Jalen Hurts. So. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> I know what you're doing there, Dave. I'm not going to take yeah. your fishing ex- expedition, mate. Let's go instead for Jake Fromm of the Georgia Bulldogs, yeah. eh? 
That's my mayor I, pick this year. Part you don't you know when you look at a quarterback in college, a lot of the time it's you kind of sit there and figure out, okay, who's he like? Who is who is mechanics like? Who what's his decision making like? He who does he remind you of? Just who what what's your comparison for Jake Frum? I'm not sure, but I haven't got a good one. So no. it's difficult to think Just of a quarterback that's been in the league long enough to give that comparison to, you know. If you if you look at him, does he not so you look at how he throws the ball, look at his decision making, look at the way that he does things. Does he not just remind you a little bit of Joe Flacco? Just I young Joe Flacco, not not the Flacco towards the end of his career who couldn't run. I'm talking about the one who would occasionally do great things. He's good going down the field, but overall doesn't win any games, doesn't lose you, right? doesn't lose you many. It just looks a bit Flacco-esque. And I'm not talking about the Broncos Flacco or the one towards the end of the Ravens career. Just that, that one for that sort of four or five year period after he won the Super Bowl. I would, if I had to give bit, him a comp, uh, I'd probably give him Jameis Winston, but not the good part of Jameis Winston. <laughs> um, I mean, that, that, that's rough. How about that? That is rough. Let, let's talk, um, I want to talk about Jake from quickly then, because he's had three okay. seasons in Georgia, um, yeah. and he's had a good record. 13-2 and two yeah. in his first year, 24 touchdowns, seven interceptions, three rushing touchdowns. 2018, um, he only lost one regular season game at LSU. Then lost to Bama in the SEC. 2018 was undoubtedly his best year. Yeah, and then lost to Bama in the SEC Championship game and Texas Longhorns in the Sugar Bowl. Um, 2019, he went 12-2 and with, again, just one regular season loss, this time against South Carolina Gamecocks. Uh, They lost to LSU in the SEC Championship, but did win the Sugar Bowl this time against Baylor. Um, Those were two losses, and those two losses are the only times he threw interceptions. It's really weird because he's got terrible mechanics. As far as I can see, he's got no run game. I mean, he, you know, his second two seasons, he was minus yardage on the ground. So he's not going <laughs> to scramble out and get you anything. Um, he throws receivers out of bounds. So by, that, by the time the ball gets into a position where the receiver can catch it, they're out of bounds. Uh, he's got sloppy footwork. He's Rubik's cubing the snap. If you watch any game film, he <laughs> takes the ball, flips it, and then flips it back again. And if he's got a time, he flips it a third time. It's just maddening how he must be taking some brain power to do this. The interesting thing is when he was showing it, there's videos of him at um, workouts and he was holding the ball very differently in the workouts than he did in the regular season. Mm. So there was some of his... Um, Someone's told him, stop that right There was right some now. Game, game footage where someone put um, side-by-side reviews of, number one, how he was crossing his feet when he was moving backwards, which you shouldn't do. Um, secondly, also how you uh, how he was holding the ball how he was throwing the ball and how he was releasing the ball more importantly mm-hmm. um so obviously he has issues but he's addressing them i mean that's well is that not what you what you kind of want no, to see i i don't um, care what you do in shorts it's what you're doing yeah. on the game day um when you're in when you're in a practice situation like that you've got very little pressure there's no one charging at you wanting to take your head off you know you've got the time well, think- to make that play um, well, what is what is done in no, college? Is, I trust what is done too. in college is is now done. That's finished. It's, yeah. you know that's over and done with. Drew Lock was crossing his legs in college. As soon as he came into um, the NFL, Rich Gangarello said, "Don't cross your legs." He now doesn't. It's as simple as that. Yeah, you have to have Rich Gangarello if, to do that, though. Not everyone's well, got Rich Gangarello on there. If he goes stuff. to a team, if he goes to a team where there is someone who can just say, "Okay, let's get down to the basics and do the basics," there's no doubt he's got talent. Absolutely got talent. 
but he needs an offense around him. He's not going to be a guy who's going to carry an offense and say, okay, we're going to put it on this guy and he's going to be our future. And this guy, you know, he's going to run for us. He's going to give us every, he's a bit, he reminds me a bit Eli Manning-ish towards the end. He's just a guy who's going to, I don't know. He's not someone who inspires confidence. He's not a franchise quarterback in my eyes. I, mean, I think I would... he'll, he'll have a good career. I think he'll have an okay career. Yeah. I'd love to play poker against that guy because he signposts his <laughs> targets with his eyes. He, the, uh, they say in, in Scarface, there's no lying in him. You know, He just well, tells you exactly where he's going to throw it for about three seconds before he throws it there. And there's no anticipation, so balls arrive late and inaccurate. Uh, he's like Mitch yeah. Trubisky without the arm power. Well, it's, it's that old double bluff. It's, you think I'm going to do double that. Bluff. <laughs> yeah, you think I'm going to throw it there so you, you're going to second guess it and then it's going to go there before you realise uh, yeah you see yeah so you get to the NFL <laughs> and realise that they actually do that's where you're going with your eyes oh yeah, um, yeah 100% the, the only plus point for Jake Fromm is that he only went two career games where he didn't score at least one touchdown so you know he has got production to put up there I, again I can't and I can't square what I saw with my eyes to the stats on the on the table I don't see that quarterback when no. I'm watching the game film to what I see when I'm looking at the numbers. So something no. just doesn't compute in my head. Where, I, you know, if I'm just looking at the numbers and the stats guy and going, oh, yeah, he's definitely a first rounder because, you know, he went and he lost, um, what was it, seven games in his career in three years, played for Georgia. It's a big, big team. Um, you know, good interception to touchdown ratio, completion percentage, you know usually in the uh, high 60s yeah uh, you know you can see reasons to draft him but <laughs> watching him play and i don't care about what they did in the combine drills things like that i'm only watching game footage to find out what this guy's like under pressure and what he's like when mm. someone's telling him a play in his ear then what's he identifying at the line how he's getting back in the snap where he's moving up in the pocket is he frying on time is he anticipating a part a, a route you know, he doesn't do any of those things. He's got sloppy movement. Um, so, looks like Georgia were bailing him out with wins here. Well, I feel he's going to get found out. Yeah, but when time. when when the Bulldogs were saying to him, okay, let's get it out quick, you know, let's play little slants, let's get it five, yeah. six yards, you know, he was looking absolutely fine. I mean, he's got the New England Patriots written all over him. Because <laughs> um, when he was doing that, he was absolutely funny. Jake from really reminds me of Alex Smith in the fact <laughs> not that when Alex you ask him just to get the ball out quickly, um, not go through possession, say, look, you've got two reads, go here, go here, give it whoever's three or throw it away. Um, he looks okay. When you give him a definitive game plan, he looks okay. He's got the pats written all over him. Um, and I sincerely hope that's the case. Nothing says he's going to be a convincing quarterback in the NFL, but It'll be a fun experiment for someone why it lasts. <laughs> okay. I mean, you've invoked Alex Smith's name again on this podcast. Yeah. I can't believe we've done it twice already. But um, Two for two. Two for two. All right. Well, that's that's Jake from. Sorry, Jake. Uh, just wasn't impressed uh, with your <laughs> gameplay at all, man, despite the record. Uh, no. Prove me wrong. I'm happy to be proved wrong. I'd rather be proved wrong for you being better than I said you were than... Um, he proved right in this instance. And if you do, give me some money um, to make <laughs> me feel better. So uh, we've got one other meh player, which I want you to talk about, Dave, in terms yeah. of QB, uh, Jacob Eason. So yeah, so, well, in all honesty, um, 
I've, I don't think I've ever been so underwhelmed with a quarterback as I am with Jake Reeson. Okay. So he started off, started off at Georgia for two years. Yeah. Uh, and he was sharing, well, sharing, he was back up to Jake Fromm. Um, so he was there the year from was there before he, t- um, from very much basically took over. Yeah. Uh, from Eason. So uh, in 2016, he had 370 uh, attempts, 240 completions, uh, 16 touchdowns for eight interceptions. 2017 was replaced by From. Um, From went on to have 370 attempts. He had seven. But so, hang on, he, he was he was replaced because he got injured in the first game, right? Yes. So that's why he got seven completions. But, um, was, due, was due to come back in 2018. Uh, sorry, was due to come back towards the end of the season. Yeah. Um, didn't come back because he couldn't get in the team. 2018, uh, injury flared up. Didn't play again. Ended up transferring to the Washington Huskies, where he uh, pretty much became first choice uh, yeah. just by default. Uh, he wound up with a career passing uh, completion of 59.8, which, yep. you know, below yeah. the magic 60. <laughs> it is, yeah. And, and then some. Um, but it's, it's the fact that he, this, he falls towards the bottom on so many stats. It's insane. Mm. So if you look at rushing yards, for example, just, I mean, rushing from a quarterback now is something that we like to have. Guess how many career rushing yards he has? Well, it's not good, is My, it? Minus 54. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, wow. He has one rushing touchdown, though. I mean, that defense must have been diabolical if he got that rushing touchdown against. But it's it's almost everywhere he falls down. Number of interception, uh, number of touchdowns total, thirty nine. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's too low. It's far too low. Yards per average, seven point one. Yards per attempt, seven point two. Well, in the four year um, career, he's really only had two years, hasn't he? He's had two thousand sixteen in Georgia and now two thousand nineteen at Washington Huskies. Yeah, that's it. But, so, but in that, okay. Forget in those two years, seven hundred and eighty-two attempts. Tua six hundred and eighty-four. He's had more attempts than Tua, so yep. this is it's a bigger sample size to work from. So yes, he only played two seasons, but it was two full seasons. Hertz almost broke his touchdown short. record in one year. Yes, Anthony Gordon did break his touchdown record in one year. So I just <laughs> want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, also broke his Joe Burrow, record in one year. As Joe well. Burrow almost doubled it. Yes, <laughs> I mean it is insane. It's the fact that doesn't go through progressions very well. He's very much two different guys. Okay, so if, right. if you put him in the pocket when he's got time and he can go through his progressions and he's absolutely fine, he's got a 91.7 PFF grade. I mean, that is a good grade. It's a very good grade. 20 interceptions, uh, sorry, 20 touchdowns to five interceptions in a clean pocket. 91.7, 20 interceptions, uh, sorry, 20 touchdowns, five interceptions. In a collapsed pocket, his grade goes from 91.7 to 37.6. It tumbles. In the, in, and he's got two touchdowns from a collapsed pocket. Yeah. He had a great offensive line at Washington. And in total, he took 22 sacks last season. And PFF have rated him as causing eight of those. He caused eight sacks. And one of them was a loss for 18 yards. He caused an 18-yard loss for a sack. I mean, some of the decision-making here, it, it boggles the mind sometimes. At one point, I was watching a game. I can't remember who it was against. I mean, he, first of all, he also plays in a good division. He plays in a, well, in a decent division, again, playing Pac-12, so it's yeah. 
at fourth tier. Um, there's one of the points he, he dropped back about 10 yards and someone came running for him. All you got to do is just throw it away. It's, it's second down, second down and reasonably short. It's, it's not a particularly, you have to push it. He ran about 10 meters and tried to launch it down the field for absolutely no reason. It was picked for, it was a pick six pick for a return. Right. And you're looking thinking, what are you doing? It reminds me of, it reminds me of the bad side of uh, Garner Minshew, where when things start going bad, he just does something you don't expect him to do. He reminds me a bit of a Mason Rudolph. He doesn't go through his progression, just throws stupid throws. Wait, wait, wait. Why do you keep having to invoking Steelers backup quarterbacks here? Mason Rudolph is terrible. Forget about the fact he plays for the Steelers. <laughs> he is terrible at and always will be. Stop picking on him. He's still shit. <laughs> you pick on him as well. Yeah, I'm, allowed to. I'm allowed to. I'm so I'm away. allowed to. So are we. We had to watch him play. He's worse than Lynch, mate. Paxton Lynch, who played as a backup quarterback for the Steelers last season. He didn't actually play, did he? He was still a backup quarterback. You can't <laughs> say don't pick on backup quarterbacks. Don't give me yeah, another backup quarterback to go Rudolph. to. He was beaten exactly. out by Mason Rudolph. Well, yeah, well. Carry on. Right. Make your points on Eason. Let's, let's get out of here. <laughs> yeah, well, the, the basic point of it is he does not look like an NFL quarterback. I don't understand how he's going to get drafted. I don't understand any NFL franchise who's going to say this is our guy. I just, I genuinely don't see it. If he does, he's going to have to clean up his act big time because the game does. The game doesn't slow down in the NFL. If anything, it gets quicker. I just don't see it. Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Jacob. But uh, yeah, yeah. you got. <laughs> and by the way, there's some people who are saying he's going to go in the third round. Yeah. I mean, if you waste a third round pick on him, boy, oh, that's going to be uh, interesting. I just don't see him turning into anything good as soon as there's any kind of any kind of pressure whatsoever. He just he just makes stupid decisions and he cannot run. He's six foot six, two hundred and thirty one pounds, and cannot run. And there lies minded. the rub, Dave. There yeah, lies the it, rub. He's six six, two hundred and thirty pounds. He looks like a quarterback. Yeah. I don't know. How I many, um, have, you, have you seen many football lives? Uh, yeah. The NFL series. I'm always mm-hmm. taken back to the Doug Flutie episode. Doug Flutie, if he's not a Hall of Famer now, he should be. Or he will be in the future. Um, I don't know Doug Flutie. Great quarterback, but undersized. I mean, we're talking kind of um, Tim Tebow, Johnny Manziel size. Maybe mm-hmm. Tim Tebow's a bit bigger than he, he looks, but um, no, undersized quarterback. Uh, he bounced around the league. He finally found a home in Buffalo. Uh, but played for New England as well back in the in the 90s and into the 2000s. He had a long career, had to go around to NFL Europe, those kind of things, you know. But he always found that for a, a prototypical size quarterback, you had to prove you couldn't play quarterback. Whereas for him, he had to prove he could all his career. He mm. always had that knock because he didn't look like the typical John Elway, John Elway style quarterback. He always had to prove himself, whereas the big guys never had to prove themselves. They had to prove that yeah. they couldn't be a quarterback. So they got chance after chance after chance. They get drafted high. Justin Herbert, Mitch Trubisky, Josh Allen. You know, if you look the part, you have to prove that you can't do it. And until you prove yeah, you mean, can't do it repeatedly, you're not out of the league. Whereas the smaller guys, you know, the, the ones that don't quite fit the mold, they're the ones that have mm-hmm. to constantly prove they can do it. And that's actually why I kind of prefer people like Jalen Hurts, because they don't look like prototypical quarterbacks, you know? They look like they've got mean, something to prove rather than just be told yeah, they're but, great the whole time. Yeah, but Jalen Hurts can move and he's still 6'2". He's still a big guy. Yeah, it's but he looks, he looks more like a running 10. back. He looks more like a lithe running back, doesn't he? Rather than a, a stand-in-the-pocket quarterback. 
Yeah, no, true. He doesn't look like your big six foot six guy with a massive arm, but you know, let, let's not get mixed up. He's not five nine and skinny. No, yeah, he's, but, he's not Michael Vick. No, but Russell Wilson always has to prove himself, doesn't he? You know, and Drew Brees always had that knock on him about his height. Yeah, but and I think those two guys have probably proven themselves. Yeah, it's just one of those things that always sticks with me that Doug Flute, you've summed it up. You have to prove you can't play if you're the right yeah. size as a quarterback. And that's why Jacob Eason is probably going to get drafted by some idiot. I can't, I genuinely, I'm so happy that the Broncos have got Drew Locke because he has, got, he has got, he has got John Elway picked all over him. We've been moving <laughs> exactly. up to pick him. I'm so happy we've already got a quarterback. He looks, so honestly, if you put everyone in a grey kit, he looks like, he moves like uh, a almost 40-year-old Ben Roethlisberger. The problem is, this guy's 22. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Roethlisberg is allowed not to be able to move that much now because he's got he's had a lot of hard miles on him. If you remember those oh, those first few years, everyone was saying he was holding the ball too long. He was trying to run it when he shouldn't. Yeah, but he could shimmy back in the pocket. He actually got production yeah. out of it. Yeah. And he's not a prototypical looking quarterback. He looks like a linebacker. But now, Jacob Essam now looks like... <laughs> Eason. Oh, Eason, what? He looks like a 40-year-old Roethlisberger. <laughs> No, not, he does not move well. But not only does he right. not move well, he does not move well in the pocket either. And that's not a criticism on Roethlisberger. As I say, Roethlisberger's earned that that lack of mobility just yeah. through what he's gone, what, what he's done, and what he's gone through. Yeah, um, Eastern hasn't. I've got one more name to throw out, Dave, before we leave. Okay, and yeah. that's my, this is my wild card uh, quarterback pick in this rookie draft class. Okay, um, and it's Bryce Perkins out of the University of Virginia. The Virginia Cavaliers, he's only got two years worth of game footage to, to watch, okay? So 2018, 2019. Um, What's his name? Bryce Perkins. Right. <laughs> I'm typing this in. I'm, I'm Googling this guy. This is like Lamar Jackson on steroids, okay? This guy is basically a running back who can, <laughs> who can still throw the ball to an extent. You know, he's got um, 60, 64.5% completion percentage on both of year, both his years, which is very impressive. So last year he did 3,500 yards in the air, um, 22 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. So he's not spectacular in that respect. 41 sacks, so he's getting hit a lot. Um, and he did 11 touchdowns on the ground, 769 yards. So it's not, he's, not, he's almost half of what Jalen Hurts is doing. But when you start watching some of his game tape, he's just so much fun to watch. And I think that someone's going to pick him up in the late rounds as, if anything, practice material when you're playing someone like Lamar Jackson. Because there's so few quarterbacks you can put your defense up against during the week to get ready for a game day against someone like Jackson. This guy is perfect because he is mm. all about pulling the ball down, quarterback draw plays. He's uber athletic. He's so much fun to watch. Now, he's not a starter by any means, but, you know, if he did get a chance, you could see him maybe backing up a couple of times, you know, or maybe even becoming like a Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill type where, you know, yeah. he'll come in for a trick play, a third and well, short or, you know, I mean, this is this is what I've said to you. This is what I've said to you a hundred times. Gadget quarterbacks are yep. now a legit weapon. Um, and it wouldn't shock me if he's an undrafted free agent the Steelers go for him because you've got to play Lamar Jackson twice a season well exactly yeah so he's perfect as opposition research basically yeah. if you're just going to I mean, do I'm, an entire drill, drill day of just running of just quarterback draws you know the few things I would say perfect. is 
his stats don't look. I don't, I've not seen him, so I, this is you know somewhat playing devil's advocate. His stats don't look great in the air. And watch him now. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to go and watch him. There's no doubt about that. But the his stats don't look great in the air, and he's playing in the ACC, which is basically Mountain West. It's it's not a great division. <laughs> Um, so that is a concern but if he is that good in on the ground it wouldn't shock me if someone picks him up and says let's try you as a running back let's try you as a gadget player let's try you as a guy who's going to do more than just throw the ball um, so yeah I mean I, I have no issue with a guy like this and it's the same as I was saying with Anthony Gordon someone's going to go let's give you a go let's, let's mm. put you in there and just see what you can do because worst case scenario I mean if you think about fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks. Generally, if any, so anyone who's wondering about it, go to last year's fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks. Have a look down who was picked and see how many of those are still in the league. Because I bet you, more often than not, they're guys you've never heard of. It's worth a punt. If you can pick up a quarterback in the fifth round who can help you in any way, why not yep. do it? All, all team, like I said, every year, a team should draft at least one quarterback. Yep. No matter what Just round it is. But yeah, you might as well because at the very, the very worst, you kick him out and it doesn't cost you anything. But yeah. you can I mean, always train him up to be another backup somewhere else, or you know. You well, this is this is the interest. This is the interesting thing. I, I always say the same about safeties. Every year you should back, pick up a safety because a safety is about being smart. It's about being clever. And if you accidentally pick up a guy who gets it, look at Eddie Jackson for example. Eddie Jackson was picked up what fourth round. Mm. And he's one of the smartest safeties in the league. It's about picking up a guy who understands the game. So every year you should pick up a safety, no matter what. Every every year, pick up a low safety, no matter what. And I agree, yeah. same as quarterback. Um, you should be bringing someone in just to keep your guy honest and just if there's anything that you can bring to the team in terms of practice as well. Because you don't want your franchise quarterback you know, having 150 practice snaps every week. Aaron Rodgers, for example. Well, Tom yeah. Brady, and then you're in the <laughs> New England situation where you've kicked out all your backups, and uh, you're left with Jared yeah. Stidham and, uh, and Brian Hoyer. And the interesting thing is, apparently, um, I was listening to a, a relatively old podcast, because there's not many new podcasts coming out, apart from ours, obviously. <laughs> I was listening to a few old podcasts, um, and apparently Aaron Rodgers had a hand in um, New England picking up Brett Huntley. So he had so much power, he was in he was actually uh, corresponded with to pick up his apparent successor. <laughs> I mean, how's that healthy? Uh, well, it's not. And uh, yeah. Green Bay got to deal with that eventually, but uh, for right yeah. now. Um, yeah, so there we go. Those are the quarterbacks coming out of this draft. Hopefully, for those of you listening that may not have um, watched too much footage of these quarterbacks, that's helped or you know maybe helped form another side of a, a view of one of these quarterbacks that everyone's talking about. Um, they're all they're all opinions at the end of the day you know we watch game yeah. footage and, and make analysis on that um it's as honest as it can get and really do hope that they all come in and play well unless they're playing for an afc north team that's not the steelers so you know oh, and, um, and, AF, and afc west as well oh and afc west of course uh, <laughs> but yeah <laughs> so there we go that that's the uh, the quarterback breakdown basically expecting joe burrow to go number one overall unless the bengals bengal it up and and take a risk on tour. I mean, that's I've, a I've, massive risk for me to take. Tua. I've said, I've said all along, man. They should not be picking a quarterback. They need to put up a big sign saying this pick is for sale and try and get as much as they possibly. If they can get eight picks for it, not 
eight high pace. I mean, potentially it will be a replacement <laughs> first, draw. couple of second, couple eight. of third. Yeah. They need, if they can get eight picks for it, why the hell not? Because do you know what? Picking Borough first overall is not going to make a lick of difference to them. Eight picks would make an enormous difference. You know damn well what happens when you get a quarterback in that's then going to be around for a few years. Yeah. Compared to what, what you've had to do over the last few years, Dave. Every year you've the Bengals, the draft having to draft another quarterback. The Bengals the first are time in a long too time you bad. Yeah, but they can still pick up a quarterback. They can still pick up a quarterback later in the first. I mean, if, they, if they're moving down from first to ninth, for example, there aren't too many teams that need a quarterback. They're still going to be able to get the, uh, a guy, whether it's the guy, is a different matter. But there's, but there's still Don't free agent quarterbacks guy. out there. They're still here. Imagine if they, imagine if they go, okay, give us eight or nine picks. They then, you know, pick up Jalen Hurts as well as six or seven other guys. Mm. That's value, right? Of course it is. But this is there the Bengals we're talking about. So no, no, but the, the, and that is exactly what I said in part one. The Bengals are the most conservative franchise when it comes to drafting and when it comes to salaries. There's no way on earth they are going to be doing that. But it, for me, it makes sense. So, uh, guys, remember to like and subscribe the podcast. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, DoublePod, SoundCloud, wherever you hear podcasts, basically. Um, check out jimandtheking.com for all our output there, as well as Jim and the King on Twitter, at DenverDave30 on Twitter. Um, you can hit up at Punk Raider and see... Uh, who he's expecting to be drafting, because I'm sure he's uh, loving Derek Carr as his quarterback. Um, I don't mind Derek Carr as a Broncos At Philly side, ask him how many he... cornerbacks he's taken, how many wide receivers it's he's right. taken. It's all right, because they've got Marcus Mariota now, anyway. They do. They do. <laughs> wow. So that's it. That's it. Thanks so much, Dave, uh, for another isolation mm-hmm. edition. Yep. And uh, next next one, we'll probably do the other skill positions, I guess. Every other position in the NFL other than quarterback. So, every position's a skill position. Exactly, exactly. But some are yeah. more important than others. So we'll talk about every other player that we, we like and maybe yeah. really don't like going into the draft. Well, what we need is a, a draft punter and fullback edition. Oh my That'll God. really take us up the heavy heights. Uh, we're almost done now. So we're going to do another pod on everyone else. Then we'll do, I think we've got time for a mock draft. And then as long as the draft is still going ahead, which it sounds like it is going ahead, then we'll be slap bang in the middle of the draft at that point and, uh, and draft night. And then the uh, aftermath of the draft and, and all the fallout from that and all the you know, silly moves and shrewd moves. And, and that'll be it for the, the season. Yep. So until then, I've been Jim. That's been Denver Damon. Thank you so much for listening. Yeah.